Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGaugh. And I'm Annie Carty. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, happy almost New Year. Happy almost New Year yeah. and a New Year from the past future. Yeah, when people hear this, it'll be in the distant past. Yeah, and they're in the future, right. riding on their um, flying Hover- hoverboard motorcycles. Exactly, battling space aliens <laughs> yep. with their laser cannons. Yeah. Wow, yeah. it's going to change. The world is going to be really different in a couple of days i know two days from now 2018 everything goes yeah it's i'm like, excited yeah it's just like um sutton foster always told us <laughs> what did sutton foster always was, tell us she did wasn't she in the revival of um anything goes there, whatever oh yeah probably she was also thoroughly modern millie is that i you know i actually don't know what musical that's from i've just seen a clip of it from youtube and oh, she did a yeah. great job yeah and, you know, she's thoroughly modern in 2018. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we're we, almost, we nailed we're it. We're almost in the roaring 20s of the of the 2020s. Yeah, this is the perfect intro. Yes. And the best part is that in the new year, everything's possible. And numbers don't matter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal this year and every year? On Crossover Appeal, we take two fandoms, two... Book, movie, TV show. Units of units narrative of existence. Exi- yeah, narrative storytelling, fun mm-hmm. and frolic, things you could write about on fanfiction.net mm-hmm. and uh, cross them over. Yeah, we generate some for yeah, you. Yeah, we make, we make some up and then talk about themes and kisses and <laughs> all that good stuff. All the fun things. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm excited to do it for this week because yeah. we have two very um, anti-winter Sort of, really? uh, sort of crossovers. Well, I guess not. I guess one more than the other. Yeah. Um, and I mean, well, one of them, they travel to winter climates. Do they? Yeah. Oh. They travel all over the world. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I it guess, could be. You know, it's true. That's possible. Um, But we're going to... They warm your heart is <sighs> really the, I love the it. Thing. One warms your heart and the other eats your heart. Yeah. So uh, why, don't we, why don't we tell well, people... Because you can't eat a cold heart. No, it's true. you got to just pop like... that in the microwave yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for like a minute. It really changes things. <laughs> Although, I don't know. You know, sometimes a nice chunk of cold heart for breakfast. Like... Oh, I don't know. It's very college. You, yeah, right. It's just you just grab it and go. <laughs> uh, Annie, what are we crossing over tonight? Today we are crossing over the wild thornberries and Penny Dreadful. Yay! British. Yay! Smashing. Smashing. Good time, old <laughs> chap. Crackers. Um, yeah, they love crackers. I was going to yeah. say cracking, but then I'd already said smashing, and yeah. then they do well, Christmas smashing crackers. Well, smashing was the Nigel Thornberry catchphrase oh yeah no totally i just uh, i backed myself i can't do a nigel thornberry i'm not i just not try (laughs) i I cracked myself into a corner um and then tried to pull out of it yeah here we are yep 
And he saved me from myself. <laughs> Tell us about The Wild Thornberries. So The Wild Thornberries is an animated TV series that aired on Nickelodeon from 1998 to uh, 2004. There was also a Wild Thornberries movie and a crossover movie with the Rugrats in 2002 and 2003, respectively. Man, they were busy. Yeah, right? I, like, totally forgot about that. So it's they've the Nicktoon already... Cinematic Universe. Yeah, exactly. They've already it had the Rugrats Infinity Wars. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It was pretty grim. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone survived. Um, pour one out for um, Skeeter Valentine. Yeah, sure. We can do without he Skeeter. He fought hard. No, we can't. Oh, never, never mind. mind. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Roger Klotz? There we go. Yeah, we can do without him. Yeah, bye, Roger. Um, so for the Wild Thornberries, the show follows the Thornberry family and their adventures making wildlife documentaries around the world. Youngest daughter, Eliza Thornberry, uh, gains the magical power ability to talk to animals. Like you do. You know, obviously, because yeah. you're a preteen girl traveling around the world with your family. That's... I think it's just science. You travel enough, ultimately, you're going to wind up being able to talk to something. <laughs> it sure ain't going to be other humans. Exactly. <laughs> so, so get ready to have an in-depth conversation with that coaster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're talking about that like I don't do the kind of thing in my home life. Yeah, but our coasters are very friendly. They so, are. Be you know. our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not even get into the grim implications of that whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, so while Eliza's parents are filming their documentary series, Eliza explores the wilderness with her family's pet chimpanzee, Darwin. Eliza and Darwin meet other animals, learn about different environments, and get involved in wild adventures. Eliza has to keep her magic a secret or risk losing it entirely. That's a big burden. Yeah, it is. Although um, teen- teenage girls do love keeping secrets. They do. From everybody. Yeah. So she's at least predisposed. Um, True. But, you know, sometimes you want to save animals and you can't explain why the That's animals true. need your help. And you have to go off into the wild. and Wacky hijinks and well, hijinks. <laughs> um. The Thornberries also deal with, like, normal family life, uh, sisters who don't always get along, missing out on regular kid or teen experiences, parents balancing work and family life, and a younger brother who was a feral boy the Thornberries found and adopted. So, you know, normal family life. Yeah, I mean, it's basically Ferguson from Clarissa Explains It All. No. Like, the same idea of a, of a feral brother. He wasn't feral. He was, like, like, a young Republican. Well, yeah. It's a different thing. <laughs> it's a different kind of feral. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, we we can find a better younger brother, uh, maybe even Stevens, like um, oh, yeah. a young Shia LaBeouf. Perhaps. There we go. With so much promise. <laughs> yeah, he's a real life cannibal. Yeah, Shia man. LaBeouf. Man, this is one of the only moments that Shia LaBeouf Actual would be a prefer- would be a preferable comparison. Really? Oh, I would take Donnie over Shia LaBeouf. Donnie's their little brother. I meant as opposed to Ferguson. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought yeah. you meant to as opposed to yeah. Feral As evidence, there yeah. are very, very few characters who I'd swap out Shia LaBeouf for. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe that could be another game. Like, which yeah. character would you swap out for Shia LaBeouf? Wow. It would almost never happen. It's true. We would really never go to that well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the the show is very um, kind of episode of the week, you know, different mm-hmm. location, different animals, different adventures. Um, but that's kind of the big scheme of things. Yeah. And it's the fun sort of Rugrats style animation from Classic yeah. Zupa, like very like free, not free form, but like exaggerated. Yeah, exactly. Like real big features. Yeah, like when people um, have mustaches, they have mustaches. Yeah, like real, like Nigel Thornberry has a real giant nose. Mm-hmm. Um, Eliza has like adorable mouthful of braces. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's just very like these are cartoon characters yeah. living it up in, around the world. Yeah. Um, so for characters, as we are talking about, we have Eliza Thornberry, voiced by Lacey Chabert of Mean Girls fame. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 12 with magical animal powers and is a nerdy wildlife enthusiast ideal. Like she's a fantastic middle grade yeah. um, teen girl character. She's like, if you want to be tween. a zoologist or something, like you, you want to. You attach. love Eliza yeah. Thornberry. Yeah, um, she's your Patronus. Exactly. There's Nigel Thornberry, voiced by Tim Curry. A cheese uh, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry. Shout out to the was the Adventure Zone and my brother, my brother. Oh, that was it. And, but really, just shout out to Tim Curry for being amazing. For be yeah, like Tim Curry. I was thinking recently. I'm like, wow, Tim Curry has been in like everything. Yeah, he really has. He's and done. Has been great in all of it. Yeah, exactly. He's and again, like he's a wonderful Nigel Thornberry. He's yeah. ador- he is. Um, so he's Eliza's dad and the host of the Thornberry Wildlife Show, and he's a zoologist and naturalist and just kind of goofy and cheerful. Yeah. Um, and like, I wouldn't have guessed it was Tim Curry. Yeah, he really like it's a vocal performance, which yeah. is funny because he has such a distinctive voice that you don't think of him as like a voice actor. No, but and like he did he did a lot of voice acting. Yeah, but it, it was always Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Nigel Thornberry, he, it's more nasal. Yeah, and like a little again, kind of giddy, where he doesn't usually get into that sphere. Yeah. He's usually more menacing. Yeah, he's like goofy menacing or yeah. like goofy sexy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is well, not sure. since the Goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't Google that. I know. Oh, it, it's out there. Believe it me. <laughs> you say it like you know. Well, you know that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the Wild Thornberries. <laughs> yep. Um, so there's Marianne Thornberry, who's Eliza's mother and the filmmaker of the Thornberry Wildlife Show. Um, she's tough and sensible and would totally be the person who camped out for days to get the perfect shot of a bird of paradise dance. Yeah. And then it turns out the bird like doesn't show up or something. So no, she, she go would. back the next year. Like, no, she would stay there. She'd be like, wow. we're getting this shot. All right. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I really liked seeing, um, a female character who's like the lady, like filmmaker behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, she gets to like be on the production side. Yeah, of things, exactly. So. Which, you know, I mean, is sadly not as many women are on the production side of things in yeah. Hollywood. It's a, still a very much a boys game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like the the Thornberries have yeah. some female power there. Yes. Yeah, sorry, David Attenborough. You need to step aside. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Ladies are coming. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming for you. Wow. Um, so there's Debbie, who is Eliza's older sister and an angsty teen who is not all into all this nature stuff and wants to have like a normal teen life. But she does love her family, even though she fights with Eliza. Uh, Donnie is the youngest Thornberry, a boy who was raised by orangutans and then adopted by the Thornberries. And um, a note, the orangutans gave Donnie to the Thornberries so he could have a human family. The the Thornberries didn't, like, steal him. That's an important distinction. Yeah, because I remember being like, oh, yeah, he had, they have their feral little brother. And then, I, and then I was, like, reading back through, you know, notes about the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, where did they get it? Like, where did they adopt yeah. it from? And then, like, it details, like, this is how they got him. Which is a nice thing to lay out because it's yeah, uh, it's, it wasn't just like yoink. Right, it's uh, it, it's a little post-colonial in a way to like yeah, you know, sort of skirt around some of those the oogier aspects of things like Tarzan and yeah, stuff like that. and and like taking children from families yeah, and being like we're white so we're gonna raise you exactly. although Donnie's white too yeah um, um and it, and I guess he 
his parents were also like naturalists who like mm. died in an accident and the orangutans found him and it's very Tarzan-y oh, and like you find out that Eliza's parents knew Donnie's parents so it's not as like yeah it's not just like oh here's this kid we're gonna save him yeah exactly yeah and Eliza can talk to the orangutans exactly. so she gets so the she full knew. scoop yeah exactly um, he was also voiced by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh, hey. which I find interesting as a, a voice acting. Yeah. All right, Flea. Case. Man, Flea pops up all over the place. Where he's else in, is he? He's in uh, The Big Lebowski. He's one of the nihilists. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like he does uh, select movie roles. But he chooses them very well. Mm-hmm. Good job, Flea. Yeah. Um, and finally, there is Darwin, the chimpanzee, who is Eliza's best friend, um, often the voice of reason in the show for Eliza, where she wants to, like, go on adventures and, like, explore cool things, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But then Darwin's le- Darwin is much more the um, the order muppet who's yes. like, let's not do things. Let's stay home. <laughs> and, and, like, Darwin wears clothes and he enjoys not being in the wild anymore. Totally. Um He's like the Jarvis of the Thornberry world. Yeah. And really a far better talking monkey sidekick than, uh, oh, what's her name? Coco in Congo. Um, they have a talking monkey oh, in Congo. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not which Coco. Is also- Coco's the real one. The real gorilla. Who yeah. Signs. Who signs, who has, yeah. Which is great. Well, I forget the one in Congo's name because I haven't seen it since I was in middle school. Yeah. But- which also has Tim Curry, right? Yeah. Uh, that's right. It does. Tim Curry's in everything. Seriously. And the girl in that one, all I remember is that she likes martinis. Really? Yeah. Was, was that Julianne Moore? Uh, that was, no, uh, Laura Linney. Oh, my God. In her wow. one and best action role. Wow. Oh, Laura yeah. Lynn. I mean, yeah, like, girl, you got to get paid. Like, if you're a working actor, you take a part when, and then oh, yeah. you and then propel you your... up some demon apes with some lasers. Yeah, and you propel yourself into superstardom and show that you're an actual actor who can do things. Mm-hmm. But Tim oh, Curry, uh, he does it all. Yeah, Tim Curry was already there. Yeah, he's and like, he was I don't like, care. yeah, I'll go hang out with some monkeys. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> um, so speaking of, of hanging out with monkeys, yeah. um, some themes from the Wild Thornberries, um, the majesty of nature. Uh, so the Wild Thornberries episodes feature different locations and explore the natural flora and fauna of those locations. So it's a great introduction to kids to these different animals of the world and different biomes. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it's just, you know, like a really cool way to explore what the the world is and the things that are involved in the world. Yeah, it's like when you want a little more narrative over your magic school bus. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's a little more grounded in mm-hmm. that, like, I mean, Eliza has magic powers, but like right. her family, it's, you know, they're making documentaries. They live in a, a giant caravan thing. Yeah. We're not watching Miss Frizzle deal with her family relationships or anything. Yeah. And like Miss Frizzle, you know, doesn't. Like, she shrinks a school bus, and mm. they, you know, fly around the ear canal. And yeah, they don't, like, hang out there and meet the ear people. Yeah, and it's like, okay, then you go, and you can't really tell your parents that you flew around an ear canal to learn yeah, about hear- how hearing works. Miss Frizzle was putting a big burden on those kids. <laughs> she's like, no one ever she's tells. Like, no one can know. Or maybe she's like, fine, who'll believe you? You signed a permission slip, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not my fault if someone gets stuck in the air canal. Exactly. I got your parents' signature right here. And yeah, yeah I know that it's you forging your parents' signature because you forgot to bring the permission slip home. But you know what? Still counts Doesn't in matter. a court of law. Is there, is there a signature on this? I don't care. It's mm-hmm. there. I'm um, this Frizzle. I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eliza Thornberry can't exactly do what she wants. Right. So again, a little more grounded. Yeah. Um, it's not like Aquaman level speaking to animals. Where why? she speaks to animals. He speaks to animals, but he also rules over them. 
Yeah, no, she just, it's like you're you're walking along and you see a stranger. Yeah. You could talk to the stranger. <laughs> but like they might not want to hang out with you. Yeah, exactly. You might not want to be friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's it's a it's a great educational show while not feeling so educationally. Right. Um, but still has that fun kind of episode of the week feel yeah. where you're like, hey, you can pop in at any time and yeah. see what the Elizas are learning about. It's that spoonful of sugar for your nature learning. Exactly. Just, put, just put some sugar on nature, kids. <laughs> Horses love it. <laughs> um, another theme is that uh, family life doesn't have to look one way. Um, like the Thornberries may live differently than a lot of other families, but they still love and support each other. I feel like that was something that, that Nicktoons were especially good at. Yeah. In shows. Like even Rugrats had yeah. so many different family models and then Hey Arnold. Oh, like, totally. Yeah, living yeah. with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Helga's parents, who are so dysfunctional yeah. and probably alcoholic. So, yeah. like, I feel like they, they really went out of their way to show uh, non traditional family structures, I feel like, in order to, you know, have those, have kids in those situations feel represented. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, and kind of similarly, uh, life experiences may be different around the world, but that doesn't mean we can't find common ground. Um, like the Thornberries make friends all around the world and learn about different cultures. Um, and, you know, while kids in different parts of the world might experience daily life differently, mm-hmm. like they're all kids um, yeah. and can all kind of bond over like dealing with family life and making friends and kind of exploring the world in new ways. Yeah, which I feel like it's especially mm-hmm. interesting with a cartoon because I feel like so many, especially of the Nicktoons genres of mm-hmm. cartoons were so much about like they built up the towns that yeah. these people lived in. Yeah. And like the worlds because you can build like a really hey Arnold, contained like world. Like urban legend landscape. Yeah, or like the Rugrats, mm-hmm. like their various houses. Yeah. And, and like going to the movie theater for the first time yeah. and being like this is like a wild weird world. Yeah, or even uh, Rocky's Modern Life, like the city yeah. that he lives in, where whereas they were all. I feel like animation in general tends to do like these sort of closed environments where you yeah. build up a lot of side characters. But then a show like The Thornberries, you can really go anywhere, and there's a sense of both displacement, but also like a home. Um, yeah, because you have your itself. van that is like the home, your right. cast of characters. But then again, like you, you end up meeting new people and animals in all these different locations. Yeah, I'm sure it was more of an animation challenge as well. Yeah, oh, it's totally. Because like, hey, like every episode, you've got to pick like new, um, obviously a new location, mm-hmm. new animals, um, make sure those animals are rendered accurately. Right. Um, people who would live in the areas surrounding the wilds. Mm-hmm. Figure out how those animals talk. Yeah, yeah, lots of different voice actors, mm-hmm. or at least a few different voice actors who can do a lot of different voices. Yeah, just Hank Azaria. Get yeah, Hank Azaria. exactly. <laughs> um, and so some things I like and think other people will like. Um, again, Eliza is, like, smart and kind and brave and enthusiastic. She's just an adorable nerd, and I love her. She's a great tween character. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like, they're, they, again, like, those Nicktoons really hit on a lot of that great like 11 12 year old characters um and eliza is totally one of them Mm -hmm. um also animal adventures and magical animal powers are super fun like what part of that don't you want yeah still getting that aspirational element into it oh totally and the thornberries are a warm and genuine family like i like spending time with them and even um debbie eliza's sister i feel like she's like the the angsty version of Quinn from Daria, but mm. much nicer. Like nice. she again, she she's really like, man, I just wanna like read my 
Tiger Beat magazine. Right. And listen to, listen to grunge, mm -hmm. like live a normal life, like meet other teenagers. But at the end of the day, like she's super supportive of her family yeah. and loves them and they love her. Aww. Um. So, so yeah, that's uh, a little about the, uh, the wild, the Thornberry's wild. Yeah. Yes. Say. There it is. The, the Thornberry wilds. <laughs> yes. Um, can you tell us about the wilds of Penny Dreadful? Absolutely. Um, let's go see the world through a much darker lens. Ooh, spooky. Um, yeah. So Penny Dreadful is a TV series slash monster mash that ran on Showtime from 2014 to 2016 for three seasons total. Uh, it was created and written almost entirely by John Logan, uh, who is best known to theater nerd podcasters as the guy who wrote Red. Um, Ooh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's also written a whole bunch of other stuff, but uh, that is his most notable play, uh, at least in, in my book. Um, but yeah, he um, sort of created it uh, and wrote almost every single episode of the show. He did have a very small writer's room with him, uh, one of the members of which was my friend Andrew Henry Rocker, who wrote one of the episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's really cool and definitely put it on a list of things that I wanted to watch. But also it's a really fun show, so it made it very easy to watch. Um the basic setup and synopsis, uh, the series is set in Victorian London, which is just completely chock full of classic classic monsters. Of um, course it is. Oh, yeah. We're talking Draculas. We're talking witches. We're talking wolfmen's. We're talking Egyptian mysticism that's basically mummies. Like this wacky, crazy London has it all. So don't wait, folks. Go check it out. Um, we it's, are. It's a monster mash. It's a monster mash. It's literally just the monster mash. Um, <laughs> and what Universal studios is trying to do with their dark universe and failing at very very miserably which one? Um, oh yeah that was the tom cruise movie yeah yeah of course yeah no they did not think it through no but uh we are introduced to this world through the eyes of ethan chandler who is played by josh hartnett in a perfectly adequate performance which is like yep. all i sort of expect from josh hartnett yeah um, sure you yeah. did that thing absolutely uh he's a brooding american sharpshooter who's hiding from a mysterious past uh and complete with a dark secret that the show will spend the entire first season being really coy about and also really really obvious about is it is the secret that it should have been sawyer from lost in this role yes it <laughs> should have been josh holloway yep oh. they got the wrong josh oh no that's the worst problem when you put out a cast and call the wrong josh shows up yeah right um but no it uh um we're, i'm talking mostly about the broad strokes of the show and there are some twisty turny things that i will work not to spoil but like seriously if you don't know that josh hartnett's character is a werewolf by the end of the first episode uh the show will spend the entire first season hitting you over the head with that fact while all well continually refusing to actually just tell you that he's a werewolf until the end of the season Aww. then it gets better from there um but we'll get more into that later. Um, so Josh Hartnett, Ethan Chandler is brooding all about London, being super sad. But then he gets recruited. Sad about not being able to tell people he's a werewolf. Exactly. And like occasionally murdering people because he's a werewolf. Oh, you know. Um, he is recruited by Sir Malcolm Murray, uh, who is played by the beautifully mustachioed Timothy Dalton. Up there with Tim Curry in my like... Hall of Fame character actor, people I'm always happy to see in a role. Yeah, right. You know? Although I guess I've seen less um, Timothy Dalton. Mm -hmm. But was he, he? 
No, he wasn't in Mrs. Doubtfire. It was the other guy. Yeah. It was yeah, another Bond. Another yeah. Bond. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, one of the other Bonds. Um, no, uh, Timothy Dalton, I mean, really all you need is hot fuzz. That's true. In order to get into that pantheon. Um, but uh, Malcolm Murray recruits Ethan um, along with his associate, Vanessa Ives, who is played by with uh, by absolutely, without a doubt, the highlight of the entire series slash universe, Eva Green, um, who's basically just a human special effect in and of herself. Yeah, right. So much of this show over three seasons is just structured to showcase how ridiculously good and game Eva Green is at acting. I Well, we started in on the second season of Agent Carter because it's like finally streaming. And I was thinking yesterday, I was like, man... I would love a TV show with Haley Atwell and Eva Green. Oh my gosh! They, it doesn't need, the plot is irrelevant. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. I just want to watch them hang out. Yeah, and maybe your witches or something. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> totally. Um, Eva Green, very much from the go big or go home school of acting, which I think really suits her perfectly to genre fiction. Oh, um, totally. But she's one of those rare actors who can be fully committed to weird and dumb premises but also deliver a really solid performance through that commitment yeah like you know she doesn't she goes over the top but in a way that is always warranted and and is i guess yeah she she's manages to make the character layered Mm -hmm. even while there are like those big like Oh, yeah, well, she's like... moments. Yeah, and she's like, getting, like, exorcismed all around the yeah, place. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's like the plot itself is bananas, mm-hmm. but then she's committing to this as a, as a... This is the world I live in, and I am a fully developed character, even though I'm dealing with, like, being exorcised. Yeah, and she is so capable of going from strikingly beautiful mm-hmm. and sort of ethereal and gorgeous to terrifying and yeah. like wretched and yeah. in a in the blink of an eye um she's really great um so anyway sir malcolm and miss ives need ethan chandler's help uh as a hired gun while they investigate the disappearance of sir malcolm's daughter mina whose name any of you stoker heads out there that's what we call the ram stoker fan community i suspect stoke em ups stoke em ups yes <laughs> there it is any of you stoke em ups will no doubt recognize the name mina um sure enough uh they are soon embroiled in a fight with some vampire minions uh and when they go looking for more information they wind up consulting with a particularly adept mortuary attendant named victor frankenstein what? it's that kind of a show uh and it's amazing because of it um what ensues is three seasons worth of crazy creature crossover action as we also meet portrait enthusiast Dorian Gray, Frankenstein's broody and murder-happy creation, uh, who goes by the name John Clare, uh, and the delightfully foppish and non-precedented in British literature but still delightful Egyptologist Fernand Lyle, who winds up coming as close as possible to competing with Eva Green for serious MVP status. Um, He's also got just delightful dyed hair and mustaches, and he's the foppiest fop. He's great. Um, along fop, fop star. The, yeah, he's, he's, he's a major fop star. <laughs> uh, along the way, we learn the truth of Miss Ives's particular torments, um, including just like everything. She's like a grab bag of horror tropes, and it's perfect. Um, we learn about Malcolm Mary's various and sundry screw-ups as a family man, um, Ethan Chandler's daddy issues, and a, universe, and a Universal Studios anthology's worth of witches, vampires, demons, and mashed-up mythology. It's a really, really fun three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, 
For characters, we have Vanessa Ives, played by Eva Green, who, again, can't say it enough, just the best. She is a witchy woman with a tortured past who happens to be the lust object of not one, but two ultimate evils over the course of the series. We get a lot of those. Um, We also have Malcolm Murray, played by Timothy Dalton. He is Vanessa's more or less de facto father figure. Um, Their very fraught relationship is key to the whole series, as is Vanessa's relationship to Malcolm's daughter, Mina. Um, He is sort of a one-time big-shot African explorer who has, at the beginning of the series, been humbled by a whole lot of mistakes and losses, some of which involve Draculas. Um, There's Ethan Chandler, played by Josh Hartnett. He is the token American dude with a deep, dark secret. Look out, guys! Um, There's Victor Frankenstein, played by Harry Treadaway, a brilliant heroin addict um, who is also kind of a proto-gamer-gator nice guy with regards to some of his creations as the season goes on. Um, There is The Creature, played by Rory Kinnear, um, goes by the name John Clare in the series. Uh, He is a broody McBruder face. Um, He functions to sort of live on the periphery of society and quote Shakespeare and poetry at people, but it's that kind of a show, so it actually really works. Um, He is really the monster of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein novel. Um, He's incredibly learned and educated and intelligent and angry. Oh, so angry. There's Doreen Gray, played by Reeve Carney. Hey, everybody, it's Spider-Man. Baby Spider-Man? Turn off the dark Spider-Man. Oh. Yeah. Um, But Carney made it out of Broadway alive and settles nicely into playing a petulant pretty boy who the series doesn't really ever figure out what to do with except in spurts of storytelling. He's still super fun and... Carney does a nice job of making him like compellingly empty okay. as a human. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's Ferdinand Lyle played by Simon Russell Beale. He's just adorable. Um, he's also the show's way of looking into the homosexual experience in Victorian society. There's a lot of metaphorical uh, freight in the show of people on the outskirts of society. And Ferdinand Lyle becomes part of that um, as we sort of learn about him uh, over the course of the show. And he's one of the more successful marginalized people angles that the show plays with. Um, there's Brona Croft, played by Billy Piper. Um, oh, Billy. Who, oh, she's so good on this show. She is the candidate for both the Worst Accent on Television Award in season one, as well as the Best and Most Clever Resolution of a Bad Accent issue from season two onwards. Um, but she plays a prostitute who Ethan falls in love with, and then um, she sort of gets more and more enwrapped in the story through various means from there. Um There's Evelyn Poole, played by Helen McCrory. Um, She is kind of a delightfully, deliciously evil antagonist who pops up as the show goes on. Uh, And then there's Joan Clayton, played by Patti LuPone. Holy crap, you guys, it's Patti LuPone. Patti LuPone has been showing up all over. Right? She's great. Um, And she's great as Joan Clayton. Um, And there is Sembene, played by Danny Sapani. He is emblematic, emblematic, excuse me, of one of the less successful approaches the show takes to the marginalized people angles. Um, He's a really fascinating character. He is Sir Malcolm Murray's manservant um, who has been with him since Murray's African exploration um, and is an African man who is living in London, uh, in Victorian London, as this sort of manservant figure. He is very much one of the only people on the people of color on the show for a long time. Uh, and he, the show 
works hard to give him nuance and depth and connections, but ultimately he still winds up being very sort of forced to the periphery uh, and underutilized. He's Um, he's very much a supporting character. Yeah, he's an absolute supporting character, and he's there to, you know, fulfill plot beats when they need some. And and for one of the things that the show does a lot of that is both part commentary and part steering into the skid uh, is this idea of exoticism and mysticism being all wrapped up together in Victorian London and the idea of British exoticization of various other cultures. Um, There's a lot of that from the characters in the show, but there's also a fair amount of it from the show itself um, as it steers into the tropes that it's also trying to comment on. So it kind of tries to have its cake and eat it too. Mm. Um, But ultimately, I think it hits more than it misses in that regard and makes for a really fascinating look at kind of baby steps towards representation on television um and then uh the last character i'll talk about is there's catriona hardigan played by perdita weeks in season three she is both a very very fun character and is also emblematic of some of season three's worst excesses and intriguing nowhere characters um she's sort of the closest that i can actually find to uh a character who could be called a mary sue yeah where she like comes in to be like the best of everyone yeah she comes in to be great and she continues to be great at everything and she's very witty and sassy and she wears anachronistic clothes and she fights fights things really and, well and, and i feel like for i you know whether it's a show play movie book whatever like if you know if assuming it was it season three was the last season mm-hmm. like by the third act i don't need some new person coming in telling right. my characters what to do and that's the thing is she is as she is written and as she is played she is a fascinating character mm-hmm. but um this gets into a little bit of so season three uh ended the show kind of abruptly um and out of the blue um people were watching and there hadn't been an announcement yet about whether the show had been renewed or not but people were expecting it to hopefully be renewed and then suddenly the season ended and there was just the end title card popped up and john logan in later interviews talked about how he had always intended to have three seasons of story and um that was sort of the way that they structured it and they wanted the ending to be a surprise but it doesn't quite feel that way resolution wise they put in a lot of new elements and a lot of storylines that i think given more time to breathe could have come across as way more satisfying um than they ultimately did um including there's other characters played by west studi brian cox shazad latif christian camargo and patty lapone again it's kind of complicated um but who all sort of get jumbled into season three and then there's this mad dash to the finish um but all of which I feel like I'm I'm ragging on the show a little bit, but it's actually still incredibly fun to watch, even yeah. when it's being overly schlocky or overly, um, you know, blinkered to things or just overly much. It's an overmuch show. But I mean, sometimes that's the fun of things yeah. too. Like I I f- can fully know that a show that I watch is schlocky and it's mm-hmm. overstuffed and has ridiculous characters or plot lines or whatever, but I can still love it. Yeah. Like, and not in spite of that, but almost because of that. Yeah. And it's a Penny Dreadful is fascinating because it has so much of that joy in it. And then it also has deeply compelling character work and moments of storytelling that are really, um, 
naturalistic and understated. So it manages to swing wildly between these two poles of very fun television watching. It's a really, I mean, I get, I feel like this gets said a lot about a lot of different things, but it's a roller coaster ride, which takes us into themes and fun stuff. Um, it is a twisty, turny, grand guignol fun fest. Um, as with Josh Hartnett's arc and deep, dark secret, hashtag werewolf, um, a lot of the twists wind up being way too self-satisfied and less surprising than you'd want them to be. But then the show really manages to land some huge twists, like some of the most shocking and surprising and fun that I have seen like this side of the early seasons of Lost, uh, moments that literally made me shout at the television. And the hit-to-miss ratio winds up being really impressive to the twists that hit and the twists that don't. Um, And even the ones that don't are still fun. Um, It's in consistent and interesting dialogue with classic horror tropes around women and minorities up to a point, like I said. Uh, It's even better, uh, it's much better rather on the feminist side of things than when it comes to people of color. And even then there are some questionable decisions, but it's interesting to watch a show really try and really engage with this um, from a lens that even though the show wrapped up just a year ago now um, feels like a very different time than I think we've, we've we're in currently has kind of Um, moved on. Yeah. It's interesting to see the acceleration that these kinds of conversations are happening. on. Uh, And so it's neat. It's weird that it's sort of interestingly dated in a way um, watching something from 2014 or 2015 even now. Um, So that's kind of fun to see. Um, And the performances are amazing across the board, um, especially when it comes to Eva Green, uh, Timothy Dalton, uh, Harry Treadaway and uh, Billy Piper and Simon Russell Beale. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Piper especially, I think, gets way more to do and to sort of sink her teeth into as the series develops. Season three for her is amazing. Aww, so it's worth job. watching just for her. I'm so proud of Billy Piper. I know. She's the best. Aw, everybody's Rose Tyler. We Aww, love you. Rose. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a quick survey of Penny Dreadful. Um, ca- the caveat being that Annie can literally never watch Penny Dreadful yeah, because it's, of spiders. it's very upfront about its spiders. There are spiders in the opening credits. It's like, hey, Annie, don't come in. There's spiders. I know. Well, okay. So you remember you saying that like there aren't as many spiders in the show. Mm -hmm. Like I think as long as I knew that or like knew when they showed up. It gets a lot of the spiders out of its system early. Yeah. But like, I mean, I remember the first season of Buffy had spiders in the theme song. I would just close my eyes when the theme song started. Yeah. I can really only think of like two or three like big spider moments. I I don't want any spider moments. Yeah. Yeah. I want. There are only big moments in Penny Dreadful. Um, So yeah, we can talk. Yeah. But it's a risky proposition for Annie. It is. um, But I enjoy hearing about it. Yeah. And now you can enjoy crafting a new perfect spiderless natural world, I guess. It's a a world in which spiders don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. That's just how it happens. Yep. That's the uh, the caveat on all of our crossovers. That's the real magic. Yeah. So let's talk about thematic crossovers. Where do these shows talk to one another? Um, I think they... Obviously, um, have a lot to deal with the the magic of the natural world and kind of people living on the peripheries of yeah. this kind of very powerful magic, and most people not knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think that's a big theme throughout. Yeah, and I think it's I think. Penny Dreadful treats the city of London like a wild jungle yeah. of mystery and monsters, yeah. and that it's like there's a there's a sense of exploration. Um, 
there's but a lot like people aren't walking down the streets of london being like man i can't wait to go to the werewolf bar yeah exactly gonna hang out with some werewolves yeah gonna drink a pina colada at trader wow. vicks is that what they like oh right werewolves of <laughs> yeah, london. there it is Ow. took me a little while to catch yep. up <laughs> um, but yeah i think that it's very much about uh uh, people who are on the outskirts. I think there's like, there's a thrill of exploration. I yeah. think there's something very fun and Penny Dreadful of like, every time you meet a new character, there's a whole guessing game of like, is this going to be a classic horror character? Or oh not? yeah. And enough of them aren't that it doesn't get old or rote, but you still wind up looking for all of them uh, as it goes. And so like, yeah, there's like a fun sense of play to it. Yeah. Um, um, I would and- also say atypical families. Yes, um, that's true. I think Vanessa Ives and Malcolm Murray and Ethan Chandler and Frankenstein become a sort of familial unit. They, yeah. uh, they talk about it a fair amount. Uh, and that's really cool to see. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's up there. Yeah. Um, some strong ladies. Yeah, yeah. Some very strong ladies. Yeah. Doing it for themselves. Yeah. Do you your ladies being powerful, mm-hmm. exploring, finding things. Being in control of stuff. monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's good for thematics. Yeah. So how about actual crossovers? Um, so you mentioned that um, Sir Malcolm Murray was in Africa. Uh-huh. Um, so I think he certainly would have met the Thornburys oh, on that's his true. travels. Yeah, they probably would have bailed him out when his son died and his expedition was all oh, no. wrong. Yeah, he left his son in Africa. It's sad. Like, oh, I forgot to... No, back. his son, like, died of starvation. Oh, so okay. He, or... Got wow. malaria or something. Oh, okay. And so he like buried him. Oh. Yeah. It's dark. That's sad. He's very haunted. Yeah. So maybe the Thornberries found him after that. Yeah. Maybe they were like, wow. <laughs> Nigel Thornberry wasn't like, you have to let him die. <laughs> <laughs> mm, sorry. Sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Kipper? I see a kid. Why am I even trying? It oh, just because it's like so it. hard. It's tempting. I know, right? Yeah. So what about time period? Um... I feel like the characters of Penny Dreadful have a greater claim on immortality than yeah. the characters of the Wild Thornberries true. do on time travel. That is true. So what I'm going to posit mm-hmm. is that um, the Thornberries get commissioned to do a very intense and uh, a seemingly impossible nature documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, they are commissioned to find and follow, for the first time in history, credible reports of the Sasquatch. Yeah, so in, in England? Um, yeah, or like a cryptid somewhere. Maybe, maybe Nessie. We'll say Nessie. That's Scotland. Yeah, it's the UK. Okay, yeah. Um, they get all over the UK. They're up in the moors. They're yeah, in London. Yeah, totally. And um, Nigel Thornberry is from the UK. Yeah. Like, his, you know, he, his parents are still there. Exactly. So yeah. they can visit in for fam- with family exactly. for Christmas. So, yeah, I think they're going to look for the Loch Ness Monster yeah. and make a documentary mm-hmm. film. But while they're there, they find that there is something about the universe, the United Kingdom that seems to be attracting these sorts these, of monstrous yeah, figures. These... And so the documentary turns into more than they were asking for. Yeah. More? M-O-O-R? Absolutely more M-O-O-R. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, and I think, you know, first, um, Nigel and Marianne are like, they're just like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. These are creatures who, you know, were previously thought extinct. Yeah. Um, We are getting actual footage of this. This is so exciting. And um, but they're looking at at it from a purely naturalist standpoint. Yeah. And Eliza is is doing some behind the scenes recon. Absolutely. She can she can talk to 
Eva Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she could talk to Josh, Joss Hartnett when he's That's a werewolf. That's when he's a werewolf, and, which, yeah. is, which is important. I think that would be kind of great if you were a werewolfing, and she was like, oh my god, you're a wolf. And he's like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, you're, you're you, talking you to, talk me. to me. Yeah. You can talk to me? You can get the... a lot of feels out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that, like, yeah, Nigel um, maybe gets paired up, like, his contact at Loch Ness is Sir Malcolm Murray, Oh, of course. Who, yeah. due to various um, infernal adventures and connections has an elongated lifespan and now he's sort of so the government has kind of whisked him the british government has given him a post out far away yeah and maybe he's trying to hunt nessie because um he's a big game hunter oh no or oh maybe eliza has to stop him it's true she has maybe yeah he's decided that he's going to to rid the world he's very bitter he's going to rid the world of all these monstrosities okay um but you know he's he's there with frankenstein and eva green and all of that you see he's not a bad guy though no he is a complicated guy yeah you know he's not a fan of the he's a very um especially in the early seasons he's very about like good old britain uh-huh and like you know we've got to keep like i'm an adventurer but there's like my world and then i leave it to go adventuring in Africa, yeah. and i escape it but then yeah. there's the way things but are this done. is yeah my my world is the real world yeah and so you know he he sees the vampires and all of that stuff mm. as monstrosities. And oh. actually, it's a fascinating how rarely the core cast um, interacts with the sort of fringier yeah. monsters. Like Frankenstein's creature really doesn't interact with many of them oh. in a context where they're aware of him mm-hmm. as, a, as a monster. Um, you know... Josh Hartnett's secret doesn't get known very by many people, mm-hmm. despite the fact that yeah, everybody right. should. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of thing. Like they're mostly dealing with Vanessa and her like possession and vampire uh-huh. problems. Uh, <laughs> hashtag vampire hashtag problems. problems. Um, so yeah, I think, and you know, the vampires are pretty uniformly evil. Uh, and so Malcolm Murray is not super optimistic about their chances okay. for integration okay. into society. You know, so they, I mean, didn't they? I'm assuming killed his daughter. Cause yeah, Mina. I mean, they. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Things don't go great. So, yeah. So yeah, he's got reason. He's got beef yeah. with Dracula. Yep. Um. So yeah, and maybe like maybe that's the balance. Like maybe Eliza helps Nigel see that Nessie isn't a monster. Yeah, um, and and there's at, something about how nature is not all just like things that don't eat other things. Like. Yeah. You know, in the wild, you got the lions and you got the antelope. Mm-hmm. Like, the lions got to eat. Yeah. It's not their fault. It's but just it, how they do. But at the same time, I think uh, Malcolm helps the thornberries see that there are unnatural things in the world that must be destroyed. Yeah. I mean, you got to kill and, those vampires. Yeah, I mean, if the vampires are coming at you, you got to defend yourself. Exactly. And you've got to eradicate them. How? Yeah. Sunlight. Extinct species. The best disinfectant. Wow. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's just hang out on the line to dry. Yeah, just, just get out there, Poof. Dracula. Go hang off that Poof. line. Poof. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, like, there's a give and take between what the Thornberries are trying to protect yeah. and what Malcolm Murray's like, well, no, guys, really, like, there's bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that it's like these these things are trying to kill everything else. They're, yeah. they're like an invasive species. Yeah. Yeah, they're like the lionfish. Yeah. Got to kill that lionfish. Oh, man. Yeah. And maybe maybe it is the Sasquatch, and maybe the Sasquatch is Josh Hartnett. Uh-huh. He's wolfing it out. And they're like, we didn't know there was a Sasquatch in, in Loch Ness, but there is, but there's not. Well, wouldn't they say there's a wolf? I mean, you know, you see a big lupine no, figure. They, the Sasquatches walk on two feet. 
Yeah, so, I mean, Wolfman, Wolfman Josh Hartnett does as well. Oh, boo. What? He should be a wolf. He's a wolf man. Yeah, but he's... It's 50-50. Well, I guess the, there's the, four the, letters the... in wolf and three letters in man. Yeah, and also you're a man because you're a man part of the time, and you're a wolf because you're a wolf part of the time. Maybe you're a wolf man. Maybe he's always really hairy. I'm sure he is. Probably, yeah, Josh Hartnett, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. He does not have a very impressive beard, though. It's very wispy. Oh, Poor Josh That's Hartnett. why they needed Sawyer. It's true. From Lost. <laughs> oh, I like you, Josh Hartnett. You do a good job. I, he's great. Yeah. yeah, he's, well, you know. Yeah, issues. <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like that role could have been much better filled by Josh Holloway. Yeah, that's fair. A lot of, a lot of I, you know, when you see his swooniness and you see Eva Green's swooniness, oh, you're like, yeah. these two should kiss. They should kiss. Wolf or not. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I like this setup. You know, saving yes, well, Nessie. Well, how is Eva Green coming in? Um, that is a very good question. Yeah. I think maybe she is a gateway to the the occult side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's helping. Maybe. Them. Um, I mean, if you're a teenager, mm-hmm. what more do you love than the occult? That's right. So I think maybe Debbie gets involved in in. She gets super into tarot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so instead of um, uh, what's her name, Catriona? steampunker oh, yeah Katrina Hardigan <laughs> she's basically a steampunk character yeah like then maybe maybe Debbie comes along and is gonna help out Eva Green yeah fighting vampires and taking names yeah because there's a whole I mean we find out how Eva Green became a witch and Patty Lapone is involved and oh, there's yeah. a mentorship oh and so, see you know, there you go she like maybe she, maybe Debbie's like I want to you know she's like I'm in high school now I mm-hmm. think I want to do an internship, maybe get off the van for a little while. Yeah. And she applies to the 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 witch internship program. <laughs> oh, and you know, the externship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and you know, there is a there's a whole thing in Penny Dreadful of like types of witches. There's like day walkers versus night walkers. Uh-huh. And day watchers are very like, I'm healing I'm a healing witch. Uh-huh. I'm here I perform abortions and I like I'm here for the health of the, of yeah. the village and night walkers are very like I'm here to make, make out with Satan. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um Is it like just for funsies? Well, I mean, I, I guess he's dreamy or something. No, he gives them a lot of power. Okay. They like bathe in a lot of blood and stuff. It's, it's again. I bet the day, the day witches are like, we're doing work. Yeah. We're hey, doing actual Go get things. a job. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think maybe, like, maybe there's a risk that Debbie is going to, is falling in with some of the Nightwalker crowd. Yeah. She's going a little too goth. Yeah, right? Because, again, you're a teenager. You're like, mm-hmm. I want to stay out late with my friends. Yeah. And so, you know, Eva Green has to sort of pull her back to the Yeah, light. but then be like, hey, you know, if you're considering a career in witchcraft, <laughs> then, uh, why don't you think about the daywalkers? Pick something with some prospects. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. And you can still have cool, cool hairstyles yeah. and look really broody. And powers and stuff. Yeah, right? You love powers. Yeah, I mean, look at Eva Green's wardrobe in Penny Dreadful and tell me that any girl would not want to be right? that Right? Oh, that totally. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Um, so yeah, I like this. So we we're already sort of segueing into this. Yeah. But uh, I think we've done a lot of best buddies. Yep. We've I think got well, we've got um Nigel Debbie, and Malcolm. Nigel and Malcolm, Debbie and Eva Green. Yep. Um can we best buddy up Eliza with anybody? Well maybe she would be best buddies with um Josh Hartnett. Yeah, I think with Ethan Chandler. Yeah. I think he's he's just real excited that someone can talk to him when he's a wolf. Exactly. And she'd really only be best buddies with him when he's in his wolf form. Oh yeah. And then he turns When he's human an again. adult and she's like, Oh my god, you're an adult. Oh god. Wah. Oh, you're an adult man. Yeah, That's this weird. Is weird. This is very Never weird. mind, I'm leaving. I'm a twelve year old. Yeah, but she's gonna help the wolf through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um are there any battle domes? Um, well I mean vampires. Vampires. Um 
I I feel like Marianne Thornberry. She, I want mm-hmm. her to fight somebody. Oh yeah, um, she would fight. She would probably fight uh, Frankenstein and try to make him get his life together. Yeah, right. She'd just beat him up. I yeah. mean, she and Billy Piper would team up and just kick yeah. His butt. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we do also have um, Nigel's parents, Cordelia and Radcliffe Thornberry. Oh, let's say Ferdinand Lyle and they hang out. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, and I did forget to mention there is a, um, uh, Eliza's like enemy, um, Kip O'Donnell, who, um, is like, like bad guy, Nigel Thornberry. Can he get eaten by something? Yeah. Let's have, let's have him get eaten by somebody. I mean, there's Wolf Josh Hart in it. Yeah. That's an option. Mm -hmm. Um, so many could kill him. He's cool with weapons. Yep. Katriana Hardigan could kill him. She's, she'd do it with a flourish. I'm sure. Well, um, let's do um, Semeni. Let's give him... Semeni? Yeah. Uh, wait, where is his name? Uh, Semeni. S-E-M-B-E-N-E. Semeni. Um, yeah. And then, oh, and he maybe yeah. he's falling in with Dorian Gray because they're both jerks. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then they just, they, they clean it out. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, let's see. Can we, can we match um, maybe Donnie up with um, the monster, the Frankenstein monster? Oh yeah, well, that's the People thing. People who I feel like the Frank, the creature, he's really broody. Yeah, but maybe see, maybe the he's, thing he's is kind like of a pain to be around. So well, Donnie, you can't understand him. Oh, that's true. Like he's just a, he is literally a feral child. That's true. The creature might like try to get him educated. Yeah, they might be. They would start off as best buddies and then become battle dome. <laughs> yeah, right. Or maybe start off as battle dome, become best buddies. One of the two. Yeah, it's going to happen yeah, one gonna, way or the yeah, other. either way. Because I can see Frankenstein's monster being like, I need to teach this. I mean, this is basically me. Yeah. Like, I grew up this without. Is, I recognize this. I recognize this. And, like, I will take this child, mm-hmm. teach him how the ways of the world. Right. Uh, you know, he has he has basically no one. He has to know. He has to know. And and Donnie's just like. Ah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it doesn't go great. Yeah. So, but yeah. then they, no, but then they, I think they end up as They come buddies. back around. Yeah. yeah. I think they they reach a detent. Detente? 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 Yeah, tap dance. There it is. Yeah, they tap dance and it's great. Putting on the Ritz. Yep. There we go. Yes. I like this. I feel like there aren't a lot of kiss your faces because Thornberry's is a lot of nuclear families and children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Debbie is really the only one who's going to be like kissing people and i don't know if there's yeah. anyone in the penny dreadful world who she would kiss no not really yeah renfield pops up for a while but he's just kind of gross yeah um i think she would like maybe dorian would try to flirt yeah with her, i think try to get with her yeah that would be part of the, the night walker thing as well yeah oh and totally so i think that they would have to pull her away from yeah because he's you know he's very slick yeah, right. And like, you know, you're Debbie Thornberry. You're yeah. you're out just with your nuclear family in the wild for most of the time. You are real excited about boys who are flirting with oh, you. Absolutely. And he's like, I've done everything. Come join me for a blood orgy. And she's like, I is that a like a new fun music? I can show you every side of the world. I don't know why it works, but I mean, she's at least intrigued. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she then, would be very intrigued, frankly. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I will show you every depravity your mind can imagine. <sighs> yeah. No, he does. It's it's weird. Like, like, um. 
I'm watching like the eating, wheels turn. Eating the, the cookies of an Oreo and leaving the filling. The worst depravity. <laughs> yeah. It's like eating the filling out and then spitting it back into the Oreo Ew. and putting it back. <gasps> you monster. <laughs> you're right. That's too much even for Dorian. <laughs> it's like when, when you know you're a Hufflepuff and you're like, what would be something really bad that someone would do? The worst and betrayal. Like, Okay, what what is it? It does it involve some snack food, probably. <laughs> well, that's what really gets the Thornberries up in arms against Dorian, I think. The Oreo problems. Yeah, he raids their Oreos. Yeah, and things go south. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you you are usually off in the middle of nowhere in yeah. like the mountains of Tibet. Oreos are all or, you've got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you get back to the UK, you manage to get some Oreos. Yeah. Um, and then some dudes eating the filling and spitting the back into the cookies. No, it's a rough day. It's a rough it's day a for everybody. It's a real bad day. Yeah. And it's probably raining because you're up at Lock But then Donnie's like, I'm just going to eat all these. This is great. Yeah, I cool don't care. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I like this crossover. Me too. Um, so, Annie, where should people go if they want some more Wild Thornberry stuff? Um, so if you're in the mood for more 90s-ish cartoons with heart, um, Hey Arnold, as we mentioned earlier, about a boy growing up in his grandparents' boarding house in a city with lots of great urban kid life. Um, there's Rugrats also, which we mentioned earlier, which actually crossed over with the Wild Thornberries. I wonder actually if Hey Arnold will cross over. I don't know. Because the upcoming movie that they're doing is all about him going to find his parents who were explorers. True. I don't know if the Wild Thornberries is as lasting as Hey Arnold. That is true. And it's also a different studio. Is I it? Think. I don't think it's classic. I don't think Hey Arnold was classic Supo. It was at least all, a different animation style. Yeah, but they were I all Nicktoons, yeah. but they were from different Oh, yeah, houses. but I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I guess it would, yeah, it was a different animation yeah. company. Well, that'll be a headcanon for another day. Exactly. Um, and yeah, Rugrats Adventure Babies, fun. Um, there's Recess, about a group of kids and their school misadventures. Doug, about a tween boy who journals his imaginary adventures and deals with real-life middle school. I didn't mean that when I said way back at the beginning of the episode about not needing Skeeter. Skeeter's great. Yeah, right? Yeah. Skeeter Valentine. Everybody's best bud. No, I had a moment of Hong thinking Kong. that we were talking about, that he was a character on a different show. And Which I one just, did you think? I don't know. I thought he was a Rugrats character I couldn't remember. Oh, no. Um, so once I realized the the depth of my yeah. horror. I'm sorry, Skeeter. Yeah, right? We love you, Skeeter. Yeah. I'll buy you a beat. Aw. Like a beet milkshake. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's As Told by Ginger, about a tween girl dealing with middle school life. Uh, Pepper Ann, also about a tween girl dealing with middle school life. I'm sending a trend. Yeah, right? More of a an imaginary life Doug vibe here. Um, Kim Possible, about a teen girl who's also a super spy. Rocket Power, about four tween friends who do extreme sports. And you know what? Steven Universe, about yes. a tween boy and his unconventional family of space gem aliens. It's the best. I feel like um, Steve, if the if the Steven Universes met the Thornberries, they would all get along so oh, well. Absolutely. Yeah. They would have such great adventures. They would have such great adventures. Like the Thornberries would just be so fascinated with how all the gem stuff works. Oh, yeah. Um, and everybody would like hang out, have pizza and bits. Yeah. And... Fish pizza. Yeah. Oh, that'd be the best. It's so good. Mm. Uh, but we've already crossed over Steven Universe. So That's true. You have to leave that one in the past. Gotta take a break, Steven. Yeah. 
Um, and if you wish you could watch the Thornberry's fictional TV show, you should check out Planet Earth, which is a fantastic miniseries about all kinds of plant and animal life around the world. Um, and the behind the scenes features are just as cool as the documentaries themselves. Like you can see the, the you know, real life equivalent of Marion Thornberry camping waiting out. Waiting for a bird of paradise. Yeah, like waiting for a bird of paradise to dance yeah. or waiting for a snow leopard to appear. That's right, that poor over guy. Over Christmas. He misses Christmas. Yep. And does not find the snow leopard. It's a rough life. Yeah, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also Nature, a PBS documentary series about animals around the world. Um, But FYI, something cute is probably going to die. The magic of the snowy owl. Don't watch it. It's not magical. It features an owl family eating their baby chick brother. They eat him. He died and they ate him. Yeah, I mean, at least he dies first. Yeah, true. They have some decorum. They were like, well, we don't want him to go to waste. Exactly. He wouldn't want that. That's good protein. He would say so. <laughs> um, for tween-powered books with an international and or science flair, um, this is real heavy on my writing group, but they're awesome and they're professional authors, so haha. Um, there's The Countdown Conspiracy by Katie Slavensky about a group of genius kids who are training to be the first astronauts to go to Mars when a training mission turn- um launches them into space for real oh no i know for real and and there's an adorable robot who like is amazing it's like that space camp movie but good i don't know that one it was kids in space camp why not going to space for real i don't don't know that one at all oh yeah it was from the 90s late 90s early thousands it was it's not worth knowing oh well the countdown's conspiracy is super worth knowing unlike the countdown conspiracy yes um, there's Golden Boy by Tara Sullivan about a boy with albinism in Tanzania who learns to value his own skin and self in an area where people with albinism are at serious risk of death for like for like murder for poaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super scary. Um, and then finally, there's A Ring of Endless Light by Madeline Lingle about a girl who spends the summer dealing with love, loss, and communicating with dolphins. Yay, like you do. Just, you know, in case you want more ladies talking to animals <laughs> in your book life. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, how about uh, Penny Dreadful? Who's talking to animals there? Um, everybody. Uh, no, I think the best thing for Penny Dreadful is if you're into it, you should go read the source material. Um, there is Dracula by Bram Stoker. Uh, surprise, like a surprise arrestingly scary book the first time that I read it. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being legitimately surprised that, like, it's very spooky and really compelling and well-written and uh, and beautiful in its own way. And it's it's oh-so-Victorian. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it is, of all of the source material books, it has the most influence on all of Penny Dreadful. Um, but there's also the portrait of Dorian, the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Um, there's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which is beautiful, especially when you consider that she wrote it over a weekend when she was just trying to get away from annoying poets. Yeah, um, right. She was yeah. like, oh, it's so great that you guys think you can write things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, go doodle something. I'm just going to go invent a genre. Yep. Bye. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if you're into, I guess, nonfiction fiction, it's kind of interesting to read um, the works of Aleister Crowley, who is like one of the main Victorian occultists uh, and wrote a lot of um, sort of Satanist flavored books. Um, they're incredibly indulgent and kind of ridiculous, but fun in their own way. And they've been the source material for all sorts of goofy things through the ages. Um, so, yeah, check him out. He's fun to read about as well because, man, he had a weird life. Um, some other monster mashups, uh, the biggest and most obvious one is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, comic, not the movie, uh, but the comic series by Alan Moore, um, 
I would say uh, the first couple volumes of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen especially have all of the highs and also a lot of the same lows as Penny Dreadful in that um, they're incredibly freewheeling fun looks at sort of Victorian storytelling and mashup Victorian characters, um, but also sometimes steers a little too heavily into the Orientalism and Mm. exoticization and all of that kind of side of things. Uh, And also it's Alan Moore, so there's weird sex stuff. Yeah, right. Um, there's uh the book the golem and the Ginny by helen wecker uh helene wecker excuse me um a book about uh america it's actually set in new york as opposed to london um but at the turn of the century and it is a golem uh coming over from russia and a genie who is uh come over from the middle east uh wind up in new york together and sort of experiencing the city and it's really it's an immigrant story but um, a really beautiful one with a lot of fun magic in it as well um and then a movie that if you're ever just kind of hung over on a Saturday morning and feel like watching, why not watch Time Van Helsing? Time, well, there's the Spanish, <laughs> there is the best Saturday morning hangover movie, which is the Spanish dub of Time Cop. But if that's not on, you can watch Van Helsing starring Hugh Jackman. Um, it's again, another very unsuccessful attempt at a monster mashup movie, but it's fun in its own way. Um, it's sort of launched a whole hot topic genre. Um, and, and sometimes movies have to do that exactly. to really like be kind of bad on its own, but then explode a fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Van Helsing fanfic out there. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Um, for more gothic fun, um, hey, check out the Brontes. Um, I would say Jane Eyre, definitely. Wuthering Heights, probably. Um, anything on a moor is going to treat you just fine. Yeah. Um, um, you took that whole class in college about gothic. World gothic? Yeah. yeah. It's where I read a bunch of this stuff. And yeah. I was trying to think of some more. Some more. Um, there's White Sargasso Sea, which is a take on Jane oh, Eyre, yeah. um, which is beautiful, but didn't it's not really a fit for Penny Dreadful. I yeah, feel like. it's it's like um, le- let's look at what like the awfuls of what it would be like to be de- being a woman of color and ha- mentally ill in this time yeah. period. Yeah, I feel like it fills in a lot of the gaps that Penny Arcade or Penny, Penny Dreadful, <laughs> excuse me that Penny Dreadful leaves yeah. un- uncolored. Um, there's the original Nosferatu, uh, which oh, is yeah, a really creepy. impressive and creepy silent film. Um, it's also great for making gifts of because there's some really funny shots in mm-hmm. it. Um, but it is remarkable to watch it and see just how creepy it still is. I believe it's on YouTube. That's where I watched it. Um, and then if you really get into Nosferatu, there is the film Shadow of the Vampire, which is about the making of that film, but with a twist, which is they got Fair. a real vampire. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating kind of equal parts funny and scary and spooky um, fictional account of the making of the film Nosferatu and the idea that they posit is that the performance for Nosferatu um, the character was so convincing it could only have been played by an actual vampire Um, it's a really cool movie Um, and then uh, for something in the gothic vein uh, but with a more modern setting and a YA tinge to boot there's the comic series Lock and Key um, which is a similar fun sort of horror tone oh, poem yeah. um it's by stephen king's son joe hill um and it is a look at um three siblings who have to relocate to their family's ancestral home of lovecraft massachusetts uh and live in a house that has a whole bunch of mysterious locks and or doors keys. and keys some keys too um and they start finding different keys to different doors and they when they pair them up they have different kinds of powers and there are malevolent forces trying to get control of it it is a really surprising not surprisingly it's a really great funny heartfelt and true 
feeling uh, story of growing up. It also has some pretty shocking violence and gore in it. So um, go in knowing that there's going to be some upsetting stuff, but ultimately uh, it puts taking care of its characters above all. Um, I feel like um, that made me think of Over the Garden Wall as well. Oh, yeah. Which is... I mean, less gothic, exactly, but like that very creepy, unsettling, mm-hmm. like fairy tale, but almost Americana yeah. combination. Um, and like things are like real creepy, but also very like warm and yeah. nothing is ultimately going to like harm the character or like things things end up being not scary in different ways, mm-hmm. but it's like the way it's like drawn and stuff it's like wow that's that's real unsettling yeah yeah locking he definitely messes people up yeah but you know it's it's it cares for its people um oh and then uh just one last thing um since you you plugged your writing groups uh, yeah and i already dropped his name once but andrew hinderocker uh who was one of the writers on penny dreadful um continued the story or i believe wrote a prologue comic book series of penny dreadful um mm-hmm. that sort of gets into vanessa ives's backstory and oh, Murray's backstory as well and then i think there is a further series as well that takes the the story out after the end of the show uh, but i'm not sure who wrote that so I give those a look if you watch the show and dig it and want more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Annie, it's almost the new year. Yes, or it is the new year if people are listening to us. That's true. Well, from the past, if you want to interface with us, the ghosts of civilizations long gone. Wow. Two days is going to be very Yeah, right on your hover motor scooters Mm -hmm. all the way to your mind chips but you know and listen to if people want to really fully understand what the world in the distant past of 2017 was Mm -hmm. where can they find some form of archival information regarding say our podcast if you want to find all of the podcast content including show notes for this very episode really all you need to understand civilization yeah right forget all those other archives like (laughs) jstor don't no never mind jstor i can't even pretend to disregard you poor jstor um hollis i love you too um (laughs) but if you want to find crossover appeal content you can go to crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com you can email us your thoughts on the world of tomorrow at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk about all your favorite josh actors and who would have been a better or which joshes should be in which josh (laughs) yeah exactly like who should have taken which josh role and Mm -hmm. who which casting directors messed up on their joshes like um tell us at our facebook group at crossover appeal podcast yeah and if you want to tweet some josh jokes at us because you're just joshing hi oh you can do that at crossover appeal and um, you can go to iTunes and um, subscribe and maybe even rate and review us mm-hmm. because there's nothing we love more than people who rate and review us. We yeah. know that, that you know, it's time out of your day, but we really appreciate it. And yeah. then maybe other people will, will listen to us too. Maybe maybe the Joshes will find us. Oh, no. What? What if Josh Hartnett hears us saying that Josh Hollow would be better? Well, I'm just saying it would have been a better role for him, like... Wow. Maybe there are some things that Josh you're really Holloway doubling would doubling down be. on it. No, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you're an actor, so not all roles are meant for you. Yeah. Sometimes there's a role that's going to go to Josh Holloway, and sometimes there's a role that's going to go to Josh Hartnett. <laughs> so the world turns. How, yep. 
Stone cold. <laughs> oh, man. Well, everybody, uh, we're going to wrap it up for 2017. And 2018, yeah. starting off. Just beginning. Yeah. What will we start with? Who knows? It'll be Wait, fun, No, though. this will be it. This is the thing oh, that yeah. starts 2018. Nuts. Yeah, I was trying to give a nice little cliffhanger there, but no. Well, okay. This is literally it. People are hearing it in 2018. Well, then I guess remember. we'll see you for the second podcast of 2018. No, yay! Which is thanks way for less being. Exciting. Thanks for being with us for the first podcast of 2018. Woo! Yeah. Here's to a new and better world for all of us. Yeah. Um, and until two weeks from now, we're gonna sign off. This has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt. I'm Annie Cardi. <laughs> oh, right, McGough. That's my last name. <laughs> And we are reminding you to, <laughs> as always, please ship responsibly. Always forget.